<sighs> Hello. Welcome. It is No Apologies, the podcast coming to you crystal clear with no background noise today. That's right. No background <laughs> noise. We have noise dampening ceiling tiles. I feel like we're trying to talk really loud, but we don't have to because there's we, no background noise. No, we don't. It's going to pick everything up. Ladies and gentlemen. Guys, this is how we sound like when we're not yelling. Yeah, <laughs> which we normally are, though. We usually are yelling really loud. Yeah, well, I, this is my good friend, Hannah Hoffman. Oh, this is my good friend, Andrew Larson, and we're here to host this podcast called No Apologies with a new twist. We are talking... You want? You can do the introduction. Uh, <laughs> I really feel on the spot there. I'm going to keep going. Okay. We're talking... In, environment. Um, and the environment around us and nature yeah. and... You know, um, like, and the crazy things that happen in our lives. Exactly. Yeah. We, we um, as you, if you've heard the last podcast episode, we um, kind of changed up our structure a little bit. You asked, we delivered. Um, and thanks to the tens of people that have listened, um, we really, really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, this is No Apologies, the podcast. Um, and we're here to serve you. Right, Hannah? <laughs> Right, Andrew? <laughs> just like Andrew was there to carry the podcast on his shoulders while I took a huge bite of just cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, let me tell you, our snack of choice today are cream cheese scones. Cream cheese? Cream cheese. <laughs> uh, cream cheese scones. Cream cheese scones from this bakery place down the street. And I decided to just bite into it, and I thought that the cream cheese would be kind of mixed up, but it was just a hunk of cream cheese. <laughs> oh. So I think, like, maybe if I'm going to bite again, I would bite yeah. with a little cream cheese and then a little scone. Yeah, that'd probably be a good balance, because, you know, scones are pretty dry. You know, learning things every day. But this is not a scone <laughs> podcast, so... It's a scone podcast today. No. <laughs> Please no. You know what it's going to be. <laughs> oh, well, I think we're about ready to dive right in, but first we should mm. talk about where we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah, this is where we are. So we're in the library in Ames. The Ames Public Library, that's right. We're in a study room, but it's not a study room. It's our studio. It's our studio today. Yeah. We're recording at our studio at the Ames Public Library, uh, room two on the upstairs floor. Don't tell people <laughs> where we are. They'll, they'll come. I mean, we're in room three. <laughs> our rivals will come burn it down. Everyone, everyone will come in and they'll be like, autographs, fame, fortune. They'll bring cans of green beans and they'll be yes. like, we want the old form back. And we'll be like, <laughs> what? no. What's an old form? <laughs> this is the only form. But yeah, yeah. we're just hanging out. Um, what's, I mean, what's new with you, Andrew? I, or what's, I can do. I'm going to talk about what's new with me. You know what, Hannah? Do you want me to ask what's new with you, <laughs> Will Hannah? you ask me what's new with me? What's new? <laughs> so much stuff. So, gosh, what even is new with me? There's so much stuff that I want to talk about, and now that our podcast has a format, I'm always like, I have to squeeze in everything I want to talk about really fast before yeah, we tick talk about what we actually want to talk about. So I'm just going to talk about everything. Uh, went to ARAP this weekend, uh, the yes, um, yes, animals the or aardvarks against paramedics. against paramedics, yes. <laughs> How was that? It was super fun. Lots um, of running? Lots of running. Friday, we like climbed up all these cool walls, and it was super fun, and I like thought that I wasn't going to be able to keep up with everyone, because I haven't been climbing in a while, but I was still like climbing five nines, and I was like, this is like, would it be good, but it is good, and I like feel like part of the group. So, like, that was really chill. And then it, like, rained all day the next day, which was, like, mm. really shitty. But, like... Hard to run against aardvarks in the rain. Uh, yeah, I know. Everyone just keeps slipping, and it gets really muddy. <laughs> and then, like, sometimes the aardvarks are, like, try to splash you with mud. And it's, like, mm. just really inconsiderate. But 
Whatever. But you had a good time. I had a good time. I had a good time. That's great. Yeah, super fun. Mm-hmm. What about you? What did you do this weekend? What did I do this weekend? You went to that bachelor party. No, that was two weekends ago. No, you're kidding. Mm-hmm. Why didn't we talk about that last time? Did we? I don't remember anymore. Okay, let's talk. You know, I think our memory is really going. (laughs) What did I do this past weekend? Are you sure you didn't go to that bachelor party? I know what I did, Hannah. (laughs) I went to the Timber Sports Midwestern Conclave. You did. Did you win? Did you get to compete? I did get to compete. I got to do log rolling. That was very exciting. Did you roll the log very far? Fast. Fast. Fast is the idea. (laughs) Okay. Um, and I rolled it with Sarah. Oh, our good friends. our mutual friend Sarah. We we ha- we love our mutual. We friend. love our mutual friends. Um, and it was a blast. We yeah. had a big fire every night. Oh, that's um, fun. And we tent camped, and it was, the weather was really nice. Dude, I tent camped too, and I feel like everyone like is like camping sucks, but like tent camping is so fun. Tent camping's fun unless it pouring down pours down rain at Saturday, which is what it did. <laughs> Saturday night into Sunday morning when we We left. had a very similar weekend. <laughs> I woke up not in a great mood right. on Sunday morning. I can I can assume why. Yes. <laughs> and um it was like Noah's flood. Oh my it was, god. It was, very, it was like coming down. It was very wet. Oh god. And we were all in my tent and we were like, how do we do this? We don't want to get out. We don't want to get out. How do we move the tent to the car? Yeah, without so with us in it you know yeah. how do you yeah. do that how do you do that you tell me you can't unless you <laughs> cut holes in the bottom and run like the flintstones you know <laughs> i can see it we could try it. but no it was a great time though yeah my parents actually came too and watched and... you're kidding no i'm not <laughs> wow yeah where I... was it Indiana. Indiana. In Purdue. So how far was that for your parents to go? Like an hour and 45 minutes. How much do they love you? <laughs> eight the hours, real Hannah. question Hannah was asking. <laughs> <laughs> they love me eight hours of travel. No, it was only like two hours. <laughs> but still, I did appreciate it and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's I am awesome. very tired still. Yeah. Like, I haven't caught up on my sleep yet. Oh, that sucks, man. I don't know why. It's just... Have you, like, had a busy week? Eh, a little bit, but nothing too crazy. Medium. Yeah. I definitely had a similar experience when we were like trying to cook or like we were trying they have a Dutch oven cook off at Arap. So oh, like yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did I talk about it? Yes, you did. Okay. So we ha- we had our Dutch oven cook off and um my best friend Frankie was like, Oh, I'm gonna like make this almond raspberry or strawberry cake, right? And so it's literally pouring down rain. We have to put a Thelma fly up oh. which is like I don't know. Do you know what a thermofly is? Not really. Okay. Explain for our audience. I'm going to explain for the audience. It's basically like, if you think of the tent, if you think of like a classic idea of a tent, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and like without the bottom. So you just think of the like top part. Oh. So you like, like it, tie go, it, it up. could go over like a. Like, like you're a, cooking, like your kitchen. Okay. Or you I've, could sleep I've seen under. one over like a, um, a hammock. Yes, okay. yes, exactly. So, yeah, just like that. So, it's basically like a cover. So, we have to, like, set this thumb fly up, and the rain is, like, literally just bucketing off of it, right? It's <laughs> raining so much. Everything, we're standing in puddles, like, everyone's soaked, it's, everyone's pissed, it's, like, so cold. We're, like, this is the worst experience ever. And we're, like, cooking this, like, Dutch oven cake to win this cook-off. And, like, so... 
Frank and um, Ben are like sitting waiting for it to get judged under a pavilion, right? Mm. So like eventually we end up under this pavilion and we like don't open our Dutch oven because we're like, there's no way it's cooked yet. And then we have all the coals still on top and it's still mm-hmm. cooking like as the judge is walking yeah. down the line testing everybody's and like they like open it up and they peek in and they're like, oh my God, it's not cooked. So when the judges come up, instead of being like, it's this strawberry almond cake, Frank was like, it's strawberry almond bread pudding. And she made this huge to-do of, like, putting all the icing on it. And the judges tasted it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And then one of the judges was like, yeah, but it kind of tastes like batter. <laughs> and we were like, oh, God, they're totally going to see right through us. Like, this was the worst, right? We're not, like, not going to win. Right. We won. No. Yeah. With our strawberry almond bread pudding. <laughs> that tastes like batter. <laughs> Technically, I... Excuse that <clears throat> ding. Well, who dare intrude our podcasting session? I don't know who would text me at this hour. Of the oh day. my god, no one, dumb people. Mm. But, Excuse me while I just lick my fingers yeah, from that. What do you do? But that's great. That's great that you that won. Good. It was good that we won. Yeah, we didn't win this weekend, but oh, we had a good time anyways. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly the way to do it. I uh-huh. think exactly. Well, well, are we like ten minutes in? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and you know what else? What. You get to go first this week. I get to go first this week. Okay, guys, here we go. Here we go. If you don't know what's happening at this point. This is a good time to reorient everyone. um, We're both going to be sharing uh, cool stories about um, things that interest us. um, The environment or wiping crumbs off the table like Hannah just did. Hannah! (laughs) We're not allowed to have scones in the library. This is why we're probably not. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, it's it's going to be something interesting, and I hope you guys all enjoy. If not, too bad. Too bad. Pick a new podcast, but also don't. We really appreciate your listens. Yes, we do. Um, without further ado. Okay. So, a uh, little background, I guess. I am uh, in this environmental lit class. I'm mm-hmm. sure I've talked about it on the podcast before. Yes. Um, and so, we had to do a research paper on mm-hmm. a food system or a food or doing an analysis of the literary text that we had read Mm -hmm. and I was like well I don't care about food that much and I don't want to analyze any more literature because I'm not going to be able to do it to the level that my professor wants right I don't know I'm just not smart enough and so I'm like okay um I'm just gonna put this paper off for three weeks (laughs) what do you do (laughs) Um, but so then I like finally, like two weeks up to the deadline, I like went into our office hours and was Mm -hmm. like, Hey, like I was thinking about doing it about the prairie strips that we had talked about on an episode last season. Um, also, can we just pause for a second? How cool was it that I just said that last season we talked about it? (laughs) (laughs) That was a great implementation. Um, also just another quick sidebar, right? um, like a side sidebar, side sidebar. So many people were like, why the new season? And I was like, because it's my podcast. Because it's my podcast and I pick when the new season right. starts. You know, like it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's it's just another episode with another title. We all want titles. We That's all, all want titles you stupid with no millennials seasons. want, right? Goddamn millennials and Gen Zers with their subtitles and their... <laughs> <laughs> Is that what Gen Zs want? Like subtitles, not even titles? That's how they want. Just subtitles. <laughs> not just like, you don't want to just be like a, a doctor, say. You want to be no. like a... Like an MD. 
like a doctor with a focus in... Right, I want the subtitle. <laughs> yeah, the subtitle, like yeah. a doctor with a focus I'm in like... I'm uh, not a liberal studies major. I'm a liberal studies major with a concentration in forestry. Yes, and everyone <laughs> loves to tell you about their subtitle. Exactly. That's Gen Z. That <laughs> That's is the, the tea today. <laughs> We're spilling it. What's your subtitle? <laughs> tweet <laughs> me. <laughs> back to your... Don't tweet me. I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> back to your subtitle. <laughs> Okay, uh, what was my subtitle? Why was I talking about subtitles? Oh, I think I was like transitioning to talking about my thing. Okay, so I like wrote this huge research paper on um, this really like cool thing of agriculture that I didn't even know existed. So um, for all you listeners that aren't like close friends of ours, um, we are located in a like farming town in the middle of the Midwest. Um, so yep. it's like very like there's a lot of big ag around um, like Monsanto, DuPont Pioneer, um, etc. I can't think of any more uh, big ag names off the top of my head. Um, and so I was like talking to my professor and I was like, I want to talk about how we're like trying to integrate prairie strips into um, like cropland to like help better the environment right because mm-hmm. um, farming although productive is not the best thing that we could be doing <laughs> big ag i guess right not farming if you are affiliated with big ag right now you should probably turn off this episode <laughs> <laughs> and no Hannah's we're gonna not, shit all over you and no we're not condemning farmers no like for, not in a, like you know not, I mean? not in a hundred years would i be like you like this they're not a valuable part of our system because they are and we need it and it's just the what i am condemning is like i'm not condemning anything but i'm gonna make an argument and you can have whatever yeah that's exactly right (laughs) so um i was talking to my professor and she was like well have you ever heard of the land institute and i was like well no um what's the land institute and so I, have you ever heard of the Land Institute? I've heard of the name, but okay. I have no idea what it so, is. So, like, you don't know what it does either. So, mm-hmm. like, that's, you know, two individuals in, like, a system of, like... The Land Institute is basically, like, a... I'm going to, like, pull up their website so they can actually talk about what their actual mission statement is. Um, but basically, it's, like, um, this research institute that um, is looking into, like, sustainable methods of agriculture. Um which, right, doesn't sound that cool right now, especially if you're not interested in agriculture. Um, but it's basically, like, talking about how, like, they understand that with our growing population and, like, the, like, industrial approach to farming and yeah. how that's, like, negatively going to affect, like, our ecosystem and how it's probably not a sustainable option for us. Right. Um, and how we can, like, find alternatives that we can incorporate into that system. Okay. Um, and still be able to produce the same amount of food. Because, like, I guess what we talk about a lot in my class is that, like, the big thing that you hear around, like, at least Ames is, like, these farmers, like, we're the farmers that feed America, right? We're feeding the world. Yes, yes, um, yes. Which is, like, great, right? And that's something to be completely be proud of, right? Like, don't and get me wrong. I think, you know, being, you grew up in Iowa. I grew up in Illinois. Right. We have some sense of pride in, right. in like, growing up in those areas. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And we're like, yeah, like, we're going to be the people who feed the world. And, like, yeah. uh, and I think that a lot of our actions we justify through that. And we're like, okay, like, yes, we're dumping all these chemicals into the water. Sure. But we're, yeah. like, we're going to produce enough food that we can feed the world um but like the the actual reality is like there is enough food produced in the united states or not like in the united states but there's enough food produced around the world that we could feed everyone and world hunger yeah. shouldn't be a problem it's just like the allocation and the distribution the allocation and like another thing that is interesting to me is that 
organizations here and everywhere else continue to say that we need to increase yields. Right. But we already... We already have enough. Like we produce plants that have increased yields tenfold from what they used to be. Exactly. And so when we have increased yields already, why do we need to use more land when we already produce more than we need? Than we need. Exactly. That's the whole deal. That's the exact thing that we're saying. Right. And it's like, and like, don't get me wrong. Like take pride in the fact that we're yes and that's like livelihoods for people right that's people's lives and like oh 100 100 percent. um so i guess take everything that i'm gonna say after this with a grain of salt um because i do feel like obviously farming is a huge part of our lives and like Mm -hmm. even if it's like i had never like been part of a farming community we're still working on solutions and i think that's fair to have critiques or have things that you see as maybe an issue and we can still continue down this path right. until we can figure out a solution. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what our generation is starting to realize. Exactly. Yeah. And so I guess this is going to be me talking about a solution to that okay. problem that um, might be, uh, you know, viable. So um, I'll, when I did my three-minute thesis, <laughs> I'm going to just give it to you now that I've, like, done all this prefacing. Um, so I, I start with a quote from Evie White because I love Charlotte's Web. And if you didn't cry when Charlotte died, you were a kid with no soul. Sorry, that was a spoiler alert. Okay. Um, so Evie White once said, our approach to nature is to beat it into submission. We would stand a better chance of survival if we accommodate ourselves to this planet. So I basically was looking at this quote. This is like the quote on the opening of Silent Spring by Rachel Carson. Yes. Um, and so I was like, obviously, like, that's when we first realized that there was like this problem happening and so i like first looked at like our current system of farming which is like monoculture agriculture so if for those of you who don't know a monoculture is when you breed like one species in one area which is exactly what i'm gonna get to later (laughs) yes it's gonna relate (laughs) um so like that's like your one field of corn your one field of soybeans your one field of wheat yes um And then, so we do this monoculture farming where we've like bred, and now these days we are genetically engineering even these plants to yield the highest amount they physically can, which we talked about earlier. Um, So our current system um, focuses only on high yields um, through that monoculture agriculture, um, which though productive, like don't get me wrong, totally productive, Mm -hmm. has several problems. Hydra's gone. (laughs) The the lady's coming. Hydra's gone. Oh no, oh no. (laughs) Is this not hidden well enough? Oh, she's just going into the room next door. We're okay. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I thought she was going to come yell at us. Oh, gosh. I'm so happy that we caught that on the podcast. <laughs> the, the, she has her back turned. You're okay. Keep there going. There was so much fear there, you guys. We snuck snacks into the library, and that's about <laughs> as bad as we get. <laughs> oh, Hannah. Okay. okay. But anyway, so um, some of the problems that through my research that I discovered, right, that yeah. come with our system... Um, with our like current system of agriculture, there's a lot of like soil loss and erosion, um, a really low levels of genetic diversity like throughout like the area because all of our land is cropland and it's all being taken up by that one single plant. Um, plant right. Yeah. So there's not like the the we used to be native prairie where there was a ton of different species. Yep. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so lower genetic diversity, we're really dependent on fossil fuels. People don't really think about that, but our whole farming process is like very, very dependent on fossil fuels. It takes 10 fossil fuel calories to produce one food calorie. Um, really? Wow. Yeah. Isn't that wild? I didn't even know that. 
Um, but that's something that I didn't realize. And then just the whole thing with pesticides and um, pesticide resistance. Sure. So there's a lot of pesticides being sprayed on our crops and only 1% of applied pesticides actually reach their desired target. Mm. So like that's 99% of those pesticides that we're applying that aren't and are going back into our water system. <sighs> so like, although <clears throat> like it's a great system, producing a lot of food, not as great of a system as we're led to believe because it does have all these problems. Sure. Um, so that's where this um, idea that the Land Institute had comes in called natural systems agriculture. So it's basically like a style of agriculture that um, mimics like the natural structure of Earth's ecosystems. So what the Land Institute did was they like kind of went back throughout history and looked at what farming like procedures were the most like successful successful and effective and which ones weren't um and they like came all this research right they did so great but they found the system that they mimic a prairie ecosystem and by doing so they're able to lower soil erosion to net zero um they lower the use of chemicals like being actually applied on the system so that comes down like really really near zero um, and then they are less reliant on fossil fuels. So, like, that's three of the problems, three of, like, what, six problems that maybe yeah. I just listed off that it solves, yeah. which is, like, really chill. Um, so, basically, it works by, it mimics the prairie ecosystem, and it mimics two things that the prairie does. So, one of that is using perennial species, and the other is biodiversity. So, I'll talk about perennial species first, and yes. then biodiversity, and then I'll talk about um, a couple of, like, cool things that come out of this, and I'll try to keep it quick. Um so perennial species, for those of you who don't know, like these weird plant terms, um, there's annuals and perennials. Annuals are have to be planted every year, um, and they like grow, sprout, and grow once. And perennials are like they stay in the ground and re-sprout. So, yep. um, and I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but like corn is an annual. We yes. have to plant it each each yeah. year. Um, a, a perennial could be like the flowers that your mom does have, like like a a two. No. Uh, no, tulips are annuals. Yeah. Um, um, why is this so hard? We're <laughs> um, let me, literally... Let me see. Like a... Like a uh, uh, oh my gosh. Let's this see. is bad. There's uh, so many. Tomatoes are perennials, strawberries, onions, garlic, basil, rosemary, potatoes. Um, so it's basically anything... A lot of grasses. They yeah. come back every year. Uh-huh. You know? um, those like flowers. There's a lot of different types of flowers and I'm probably going to give you the wrong names. But a lot of grasses are perennial. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> So they use the perennial species and like, you're like, okay, so like what's there, it's just going to be in the ground for two years longer. What does that actually do? But since it's in the ground longer, it gives it a, a longer amount of time to build up its like root structure, okay. um, which helps the soil structure yeah. um, and yeah. like lowers the amount of erosion. And then when they have this like really drawn out, cool root structure from these <laughs> perennial plants, um, they like actually accumulate more um, organic matter. Um and like put it back into the system, which okay. is really cool. Yeah, so that is really cool. The perennials part lowers the erosion. Um, and then the biodiversity just allows for, so yeah, higher levels of biodiversity. Basically, I feel like I need to like decode everything, but biodiversity is okay. just having a lot of different species in the same space. Yeah. Um, so instead of having the monoculture, they're doing polycultures of like multiple species in one field. So that yeah, would be like a okay. field of corn, soybeans, and squash. Like, I don't know if like in school they ever taught you that like the Native Americans did that, right? Yeah. The three sisters and they grew it all together. I don't know. Um, but the biodiversity basically just allows for a stable ecosystem and then like it's able to like um, cycle the nutrients more effectively mm-hmm. because plants are like really good at working together, like way better than humans ever are. Um, there's like a whole podcast that you should check out. Um, 
but it's like how trees have the mycorrhizal fungi and they talk yep. to each other. Um, all plants do that. Um, so the biodiversity helps by like that's kind of plays into the lower use of chemicals because the biodiversity helps keep the pest away. Because the pests are like, oh, I don't eat these plants. Yeah, and so then... they don't all just come. So like, yeah, because yeah, okay. like I guess I can't think of like the pest that always gets corn, right? But when there's multiple species, is there like a weevil or something like yeah. that? Yeah, when there's multiple species in the area, it deters um, like but, all of the. Pest that also one makes pest. sense because like there's not as much of that one plant to attract that pest so then the population sizes can't get as big right yeah so basically it's really cool um it works on those two things um to you it may sound like a complicated process that won't yield as much as our current system um but they're already actually having some success in small commercial like markets um so the land institute developed a perennial grain called kernza it's like trademarked um and it's basically a perennial grade that um is like a it's a distant sister to i want to say wheatgrass um, and they were able to develop it and grow it to a point where like they're ready to sell its product to companies and Patagonia like invested and they, um, use this wheat to make, it's called long root ale. Um, <laughs> so oh. it's this beer that they brew, um, that's like all sustainable. And then you can buy it at Whole Foods in California or online. Um, so obviously it's small scale right now. Um, but the fact that, like, Patagonia stepped up and was like, I'm going to invest, right, gave other companies, like, like it made them braver, I guess. I don't know what the actual term yeah. is to invest or more confident in it. Um, so General Mills actually just stepped up and they donated $500,000 to, um, like, a sister company of the <clears throat> Land Institute, or not company, but Research Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to do research on Kernza and how it's going to lower greenhouse gases associated with the agriculture process. Mm. So everything's, like, pretty small scale right now, but, like, not so small scale that it's not coming to market. Because, right. like, obviously Patagonia <clears throat> and General Mills are, like, interested. So it and does hold companies, some like, they drive the market a right. lot of times, those bigger companies. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I don't know. I mean, I had to do a ton of research for it because it yeah. was for my research project. But sure. all the science behind it is, like, super sound. Um, so I don't know. I thought it was, like, really cool and something different that I had never heard about. Um, especially, like, because around our area, like, since we are such a, like, agriculture <clears throat> state, Big Ag has a lot of stake in everything. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're the only state in the Midwest that doesn't have, like, a land institute research partner doing this kind of research on these method of, mm-hmm. methods of farming. Mm-hmm. And that's because, like, Big Ag has such a big influence. sway and influence yeah. in that community. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, that's that's cool, though, that there are institutes that do that for other states. Right. And I think Iowa will get there. Something that's really cool to me, just to kind of like yeah. add like a cherry to the top. Yeah, of your let's story, discuss. It's like um, a couple of weeks ago, we went on another field trip for okay. a class, and we went to um, a farm okay. where the landowner is actually present and like participates cool. in like the like right. what happens on the land, mm-hmm. not just like lets the farmer do whatever and doesn't care what what happens. What happens? This. Um, Landowner participates in Lisa's strips program. Okay. Um, and he also does like some 
bioreactors near streams, um, which is like they dig a huge pit and they put wood chips in and then they direct all of the like tile water from the fields through this wood chip pit that's underground and then that water seeps into the stream that's right next to the field and so it's clean. That's really cool. They've tested it. It's like really clean water out there because all of the like the the bacteria and all the different microorganisms that are in the wood once it's decomposing when the Uh water seeps through. They, they eat and absorb all of the pollution. No, that's so cool. Yeah, so... Oh, my God. Yeah, so that was a really cool thing. But, like, we're talking about how there are some options. Right. And I think it's going to take individual people. I do, like too. Like that guy. For sure. To make take steps and start to influence things like the Iowa Soybean Association. Right. Um, and once those groups are, sw- like, are starting to become more influenced by that hydroscone... Hydroscone, hydroscone. Um, then I think <laughs> the lady's just going next door again. I think that's how the changes are going to happen. No, I know. I agree completely yeah. because, like, um, I was thinking about. Um, I mean, like, this is going to come off as, like, really, like, I don't know, hippy-dippy bullshit. But, like, let's be honest. Like, the government and large corporations are in hand-in-hand these days. And they're, like, uh, it's just the And way some it is. people want that. Some people do and want that. And that's fair. Yeah. Um, but, like, let's be, like, the big agriculture is going to be able to get the government to push the politics that they want to push. Yeah. So, if we want to make a change, it has to come from us on a small scale. So, it has can, to be these small... sheath your scone <laughs> These small, like, people being like, hey, like, I... I don't agree with big ag and I want to try this other method and yep. it's going to take that for us, I think, to yep. actually make some Absolutely. change. Um, but Absolutely. after, you know, monologuing for forever, do you want to share your story? <laughs> I do want to share my story. It, it's actually funny how we kind of had... I'm so excited that they're going to like tie in together. They're going to tie in together a little bit, okay? Yeah, I'm excited. So I'm taking you to a place very different from Iowa. Oh, let's take okay? a trip. So... We're actually going to start in, oh, uh, you know what? Why don't I just tell you like the title mm-hmm. of the article that I'm basing this off of, okay? So the title is called An Unlikely War Between Beekeepers and Mennonites in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Okay? So. Spicy. <laughs> that sets the scene, right? There's native Mexicans um, that are actually ancestors of the Mayans. Okay. And so I'm going to set up both sides, and then we're going to have them meet in the middle during yeah. at the end of the story, Perfect. right? Okay. So these native native um, Mayans, they grew up on the Yucatan... <clears throat> Good grief. They've been on the Yucatan Peninsula for centuries, right? Okay. Um, and this particular... Do we... Yucatan Peninsula is like... That's like the, like the bottom that like curves up in Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's where the Mayan... Inter- um, like where the Mayan empire was based out of. Um, and specifically we're focusing on Campeche, the state of Campeche. Okay. Um, and yes, I practiced that beforehand. We Um, definitely practiced. (laughs) Um, so the state of Campeche is where, um, basically where the Mayan empire is thought to be kind of like focused on having come from. Okay. And so there's all the people down there are indigenous. A lot of the people down there are indigenous and, and, directly related to the Mayan ancestors. Right. Which is super cool, Mm -hmm. right? No one really talks about that. Right. But But they weren't kicked off their land. Thank God. Just, you know, just wanted to add (laughs) that. Just one group. (laughs) So, but the problem is, 
their land around them is being abused. Oh no. So now I'm going to take you to the other side. Okay. So now we are going to... Canada. Yeah? Before Canada. Before Canada. Pre-Canada. Pre-Canada. That was a spoiler for the story. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay, Hannah. I'm, uh, I'm just like trying to make sure that I have this straight. So, these Mennonites... There were 8,000 Mennonites that arrived in northern Mexico in the 1920s. Okay. From Canada. Okay. Previously, before they were in Canada, they left Russia and Ukraine. Okay. An area known as Prussia or Western Europe, basically. Now, are Mennonites usually associated with, like, Russia? You know, I don't know. Okay. But the I wasn't strange sure if th- maybe I was just The strange thing is, is they speak a low version of German. Okay. So, it's like... This Mennonite, I think, like, Amish crossed with, like, right. Western European. Okay. Like, to, but now to, make, they're in Mexico. Give it, to give it more of, like, an American, like, idea. Mm-hmm. But they're not American at all. There's nothing American about this group. Okay. Okay, so they all speak, like, German. And they moved to Mexico in around the 1920s, right? Okay. Moved to northern Mexico. They realized, well, we can't really do anything here. Okay. Um, so... They kept moving because they were trying to get out of having to be in the military um, or a publicly mandated education, um, okay. things like that. Like, they're a farming community mm-hmm. by trade or right. by trade, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get away from these like big right. governmental that are trying to make obstructions of their lives. Mm-hmm. Yes, they don't believe in electricity. They don't have phones. They don't use cars. They don't do things like that. Wow. And so, yeah, which is it's. I can't even Definitely imagine. Different. They, yeah, there's no electricity. Um, and so it's very, very interesting, these people. Um, and so they moved to northern Mexico, like I said before, but then they realized that the land wasn't very fertile. And okay. so they kept moving further south. They eventually ended up in the rainforests of southern Mexico. Wow. In the Yucatan Peninsula, okay. which is like a very tropical rainforest down there. Okay. okay. So that kind of sets it up. That's how they both met. Both groups. Okay. Okay. So. Nine people were living there originally. Mennonites came down. Yes. So the Mayan beekeepers, as they're called, have been around for centuries. Um, And this dates all the way back like to 900 BC. Wow. Or 300 BC. um, When they started this bee um, or honey making trade. The Um, the Mayans. The Mayans, yes. And so they have this certain special breed of bee called an American bee. Okay. There's like actually like 15 different species, but they all call them American bees. They, I had no idea. And they don't sting. Okay. Okay. All, they They're do, the best kind of bee. Yes. And so they were considered to be like a, a gift from their god. Oh, Or from wow. the bee god. Right. Okay. And so like their honey is very sweet um, and they... Like they worshipped these bees, and That's so that's so cool. And another practice that they always had, which is the opposite of what you were talking about, is in the middle of the forest they'd have this little clearing, okay. and they would have gardens with like a wide variety of like fruits and vegetables that they I would grow, and that's it. like how their culture subsisted. Like wow, that's, that's like, how they that's existed. What they ate. Yeah, they had like pumpkins and gourds and like oh, corn, and cool. because you know maize was right created in or not created but like like that's where that's where it's it's from the south america right yeah potatoes and all this kind of stuff how cool so they had such a wide in the rainforest yes in the rainforest so these clearings and these these forest soils are very fertile yeah and so that's how they did it and 
they had they made tons of honey. Okay. Right? So the honey was like basically how they kept a living. That's okay. they sold the honey. They sold the honey. They traded it to settlers that came through. Okay, for stuff um, that they needed. Right? Yeah. And so So they have their little gardens, the gardens help keep the bees alive and yes. producing honey, and the honey is kind of the trade. Yes. In fact, in fifteen forty nine when Spaniards arrived, they actually paid three metric tons in honey to the Spaniards oh as a tax. Which You're kidding. Which is ridiculous because why did the Spaniards tax them for being on their own land? Yeah, that's but, bullshit. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> exactly. But that's th- this is what happened during the in- the colonial period of America of the Americas, right? So, um, what's interesting is that the honey making has dropped, like, dramatically. Okay. Not necessarily the amount of bees they have. But the amount of honey that's produced from the same amount of bees. Okay. And that uh, is so like compared to then and now. Be, to compared to even like 1950. Okay, so between 1920 and 1950, between, bee production dropped. Yes, honey production has dropped ser- like uh, dramatically okay. because of the settling of these Mennonites people. Oh, right. okay. Let's talk about it. What's that mean? So the Mennonite people settled the land down in the Yucatan Peninsula or the Campeche state. Um, and for around 40 years, they had small areas that they would clear, and they grew corn and soybeans. Okay. They then realized that mostly soybeans were a big market and that they could sell them. Okay. And so they figured out, they got their hands in the market um, of genetically, genetically modified um, soybeans, like most of agriculture in america uses right like most um, agriculture everywhere and it uses. grew super super well in mexico okay right because no one else could do that no one else could do that and these like these german-speaking european white-skinned like western farmers culture. they were cutting down trees and then they were growing these soybeans basically okay um it was about 150,000 acres i believe that the government let them cut down oh, wow. to grow. And it wasn't until, oh, I cannot remember. I'm bad about that. I'm going to see how big 150,000 acres is. Well, it's a lot. I'll tell you that much. So in 2012, no action had been taken until 2012 legally. Okay, so government. it's been a long time. So in 2012, the beekeepers sued the government and won resulting in a Supreme Court ban on the genetically modified soybeans. Okay. Okay, so, so they... So they banned, the government banned the GMO soybeans that, that we... That the Mennonites were using. That the Mennonites were using, that America, that America was, was using. They were selling the seeds to... The Mennonites. The Mennonites, and then the Mennonites were using, were, were planting them and then selling them themselves. So you kind of get the influence in how it was all happening. So that was a huge win, but... It was pretty much ignored. Right. So, so they just kept Exactly. Damn. That, the problem is, is they, they have not they have not changed. And so That makes me so sad. I kinda wanna that's give the you, exact kind of law that I wanna do. And then you're just like, well, guess it doesn't do anything. Yep, I know. Um Depressing so I kinda corner. wanna give you like an insight into like what this area is like. Yeah. So they said that when you step into this like Mennonite area, it looks like you're in the Wild West. Like dust covered, rust covered grain oh bins my God. and like 
men in cowboy hats and boots and like toting guns and things like that it's like totally totally strange and there's a huge gap between the mennonite people and the local mayan people because they don't speak the same language and specifically the women and children don't speak spanish the men sometimes do in the mennonite families but the women definitely don't (laughs) you got to remember they don't have the same source of education that everyone else has right Oh, man. Yeah. There's so many things that play in this story. Yes, there's so many. So many perspectives. Um, and so the problem, um, I'm going to bounce back now to the bees. Okay. Okay. So the Mayans have been using these bees for centuries, right? Um, and so they realized that their honey production was down. And okay. They, they, they were trying to figure out why. Right. They realized it was because the only thing that was growing was the soybeans, and that's why the lawsuit came up. And so, because they lost a lot, there was a lack of diversity, they were producing a lot less honey. Now, here's some facts for you. Okay. Um, So, because of deforestation, what the amount of hives it would needed to make one ton of honey from twelve, so twelve hives, twelve hives around twenty years ago. To between... I'm confused. I, I'm going to start that over. Yeah, start it over. <laughs> they watched as the number of hives needed to make one ton of honey um, go from 12. So 12 hives to make one ton of honey. Gotcha. To... That was 20 years ago. Right. So now it's between 30 and 40 hives needed to make one ton of okay, honey. Okay, so almost double. More than double. More than double. Yeah. Because, Ten. Because it was like 12... Hives were needed to make one ton, and now it's between 30 and 40. Oh, my God. So you can see how this in, this is influenced. Like, it right. was a sharp dip. And that's their um, that, and that's the, mm-hmm. the Mayans' way of, like, that's their trade, right? So Yes. That's their livelihood. Yep. Um, and so this court has been bouncing around the, um, this like, this lawsuit has been bouncing around the courts for years now still, since 2012. Wow. And, um... In 2016, there was an inspection to see if they were still growing those genetically modified soybeans, and they found that they were, and I hate to say it, but Monsanto was involved with the permitting and influencing these Mennonite people. You guys know how Um, I feel about Monsanto. Yes. (laughs) Yep. God, Uh, what a shame. Yep. And so these indigenous lawyers were working on trying to prevent the spread of these transgenic soybean seeds but unfortunately they're everywhere now in mexico and they're being spread and so this little town of nuevo durango okay um is kind of like the center of this war and it's still going on oh my god in 2017 the government rechecked the fields and they fined people for small amounts of transgenic soy so that's good news they, um, the Mennonites are being fined for it. Okay. Um, and... So someone's trying to hold them accountable. Yes. Yep. Um, but the problem is, is that it's basically David versus Goliath. David right. being Monsanto, Goliath being the beekeepers. And so... You mean the other way around. Monsanto's Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what I meant. You know what I meant. Oh my gosh. Well... It's David and Goliath. David being the Mayans. We're good. We they understand. Do you? No. <laughs> uh, 
I'll start the. I'll start. Monsanto is the big bad. Monsanto is Goliath, the and giant, and David is the underdog. Is the beekeepers? The beekeepers are the underdogs, right? Um, and so, yeah, it's this weird culture clash. They don't understand each other. Um, a lot of the Mayans now have like come from Catholic faith. Um, okay. A lot of the Mexican heritage is now Catholic. Oh, okay, um, I didn't know that. Yes, um, Catholic Catholicism. I think maybe I didn't know that. Catholicism runs deep there. Um, but this old colony Mennonite community is just ex- extremely, you know, against right. listening to their rules and their laws. And That's so, so hard too, because then I mean, on the other hand, like it's also the Mennonites' livelihood. Yeah. But we really, I mean, they could. We just really need them to not use those like transgenic soybeans. I know. Um, and so now, literally right now, it's still in limbo. It's still in limbo. What's going to happen in the region? Yeah. Is there anything that we can do about it? Like they're. <sighs> so there is a petition, which you know how those work. Yeah. Um, but. They're trying to still figure out where the genetically modified soy is coming from okay. um, just because, like, it's ruining the ecosystem down there. Here right. it's fine. Because it's already, the it's ecosystem's already, ru- already yeah. degraded. Um, but they're, they're still just trying to figure it out. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much the story. Man. Sorry it wasn't like... There that's was some, wild. Yeah, it's kind that's of... crazy. Lots of different ups and downs yeah. and details. Um, but... It's these two different groups that come from completely different, like, cultures, perspectives, um, and don't really understand each other. And they're caught in this issue where another corporation is basically taking advantage of them. And now they're losing their bee, their honey um, way of life. But I think there are some festivals that celebrate the honey. And there are efforts to try and save the bees. Yay, save the bees. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my story. Dude, that's wild. Who knew, right? Who, who knew, knew that all this kind of stuff was going on in who the world knew, around us? One, who knew that beekeeping was, like, a big thing right. down there? No. Who knew that there was a Mennonite colony that, like, lived down lived there? Lived down there. Who like, knew 800, that there was little people? baby gardens in the middle of the rainforest? Yeah, I, I know. love that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Can I, like, I'm going to maybe go somewhere that I'm going to pull a wild card really fast. Pull a wild card, Hannah. Okay. So, like, I know, because we just kind of started this whole new thing where we're talking about, like, all these environmental stuff. Um, And I think, like, it would be cool, like, not to, like, get on a soapbox, but, like, like, see what we can do about this kind of stuff. And so, like, maybe, like, obviously, like, a lot of it's just going to be, like, educating your friends or, like, maybe if you like this podcast, tell other people to listen to it, which, like, that's definitely not me trying to, like, get <laughs> views. But, like, or even just talk to them about this kind of stuff because I definitely yeah. think, like, a lot of the stuff that we talk about, like, maybe we want to help these Mayan people and try and, like, reclaim their agriculture, but there's not a ton that we can do other than yeah. educate each other. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you think this stuff is interesting, like, talk to your friends, like, talk to your family, like, I don't know, like, maybe research it if you're really interested, but, like, I wouldn't have known anything about the Land Institute if I hadn't gone in and talked to my professor and been like, yeah. hey, I don't have a research paper project. So, um, maybe we can, like, try and look into our topics and see if there's other ways that you guys can help. Um, but I think it'd be really cool if we like use this platform as like a way to try and like just do better in our little everyday lives to the yeah. best of like our abilities. And obviously, you know, we're poor college students, so we're not going to be able to donate a ton of money or time or anything. But even just like talking to people about stuff, I think is a really good way that we can 
spread the word. But Absolutely. I'll get off the soapbox. No, step, <laughs> step down. Um, to wrap up. Yeah. Do you have any, like... Man. Do you have any, like, woohoo moments or yeah. things from this week that you're, like, just super mm, happy? That was, like, super cool. Yeah. Um... I look like Kim Possible now. You do with your athleisure. <laughs> I look suit. exactly like Kim Possible. I went to go get my hair dyed slash did it, and I'm like eventually trying to get blonde. But as any good human knows, blonde is not something that you can achieve overnight. So I get to be orange for a couple weeks, um, and so I chose these lovely green. Like they look like. Kim Possible pants, yeah. and I put on my black shirt, mm-hmm. and I look like Kim Possible today. So accidental cosplay, ten <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> accidental, yeah. Oh my, woohoo! Yeah, what's your woohoo? Or whatever woo-hoo. you want to call it. Let's call it the woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I. Get to see my parents this weekend. That's so. That's a good woot yeah. woot. Yeah. Yeah. Part of it is I'm running a 10k, so that I'm a little worried about. But um, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a You're great gonna weekend. Run so fast. It's gonna be a great weekend. It's gonna be a good weekend. Yes, I'm gonna run under an hour. Hopefully, my 10k. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. The weather is nice. It's supposed to be like 70 degrees this weekend. The flowers are blooming. It's that's April, another guys. woot woot. Yeah. That is a woot woot. Oh my god! When I was down in Arkansas, all the trees were like budding and flowering, and there's so many red buds. It was like, oh my god! But anyway, <laughs> yes. it's a good time. Yes. It's a good life. Like, thank God it's spring. Yes. Thank anyone it's spring. Yes, <laughs> and thank you for listening. If you yeah. made it this far, sorry this was such a long episode. No, we're it, really passionate about. Yes, our we stuff. are. <laughs> all so, right. all well, right. Talk to you later. Bye. Goodbye.